All right. Praise the Lord. That was awesome. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Jesus. All right. We're going to do a two-hour Bible study. Three hours, I heard. <laughs> Isn't that always funny? Somebody's like, some preacher's like, hey, we're going to do three hours. Is this on? No, it's not. All right. I'll try that one. Technically fine. All right, this one's going to work. Praise the Lord. I probably put a uh, screen or shouted in the army to teach you how to sound off. Pastor Shabelli really has that good down. Sometimes he goes like this. He doesn't even have to use the microphone. So we just prayed, but let's pray real quick. Lord, bless this word. Bless this intro for Pastor Dennis. Thank you for the subject that he um, wanted to uh, share to the body tonight and the privilege to share it. Thank you for each one, honestly. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So Pastor Dennis wanted me to speak on a, a very interesting subject. And... I don't think it was the spirit of gentleness, but it was the gentleness of God. And my wife can attest to this. I'm, I'm not the most gentlest guy. I'm the gentle guy, that's the proper word. And whenever I would read the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, and I'm going to turn to a couple verses tonight, and only a couple I want you to write down in my little time I have here. But I... I'll, I'll give it to you, but it's very unique because the the Bible says the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five twenty two to twenty three is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there's no law. A lot of those words in there, I think, are easily understood when you think about the character of God. Think about love or well, don't get me wrong. It's the fruit of the Spirit, so it's coming out of us. But obviously God is, the joy of the Lord is our strength, love, we all know that. Uh, goodness, okay, you know, be good, right? And the goodness of God, faith, we have something about faith. Meekness, like, you know, Jesus said, I am meek and lowly of heart, right? Temperance, self-control. But gentleness is that interesting word, I think, that we hear, and it's like, how's that different? than meekness. And so it's a really interesting thought. Last night, Pastor Schaller in church said, and he quoted Charles Spurgeon, he, he, he said, humility is a friend to prayer. Humility is a friend to prayer. So I thought, you know what? And I would say gentleness is a friend to godliness or being spirit-filled. I would say if you're not a gentle man, or a gentle woman. Well, it's kind of a little different there. But a gentle man, especially. Um, maybe you're not really godly, God, filled, spirit-filled. Like, there's actually characteristics in the Bible about it being a um, pastor. And one of them says, don't be a striker. Don't be quick to, like, act, like anger. I, I don't think there's a characteristic. I mean, women obviously have characteristics how they can be good women in the Bible. But there's not, like, you're not, it's not inclined a woman to be, like, a violent person, right? But a guy... Right? can be pretty wild. And, and you also heard people say in the world, or, you know, people, God's a gentleman. What does that mean? God is a gentleman. He won't force it on himself on you. 
If you don't believe, he doesn't force you to believe. He's a gentleman. So I, I thought some verses I'm going to share, and just uh, I'll write them, you can write them down. But it's a very interesting idea, and I'm going to bring you two verses real quick. And when I think about gentleness, there are three verses, but here's an interesting one. A bruise, Isaiah 42.3. Isaiah 42.3 says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. It's the first part of the verse. I remember hearing that from greater grace. A bruised reed, he will not break. And a smoking flax, shall he not quench. That's a gentleman, right? It's kind of weird, but when you, when you see ants on the ground, do you step on them? Okay. Do you kick, you know, the tree when it's down? Or, you know, are you like, are you, do you like breaking branches? My one son literally can break a lot of branches on his head. And I'm pretty impressed, okay? But in a sense, if that's your characteristic, that's who you are, are you really gentle, right? But God is gentle. Here's another one. Um, well, actually, before I get to the next verse, we all have heard, thy gentleness has made me great. David said it twice. He said it in Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel twenty two thirty six, and then in Psalm eighteen thirty five, he says, thy gentleness has made me great. I think about that um, like laying me down softly when I fail not hitting me over the head when I probably deserve it but it's, but it's very gentle with me I think that's the characteristic of God that we sometimes take for granted he's a, he's a gentle he, I mean and the fruit of the spirit is that we're going to be like him um, here's two more, two more verses I, I just want to bring out about gentleness and my wife brought this verse to me. She said, it's an interesting thought. When, when um, uh, either Elias or Elisha, I can look it up. But Eli in, in 1 Kings 19, 11, 12, it says, He said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind went to rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Interesting. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Right? That's the gentleness of God. God does not, you know, force himself, in a sense, on people. A gentleman would not do that to you and trying to convince you, right? When we try to win people over to the Lord, we really can't be forcing our faith on people. If you don't believe in Jesus, this will happen. It doesn't work. I mean, when you first get saved, you're kind of like telling everybody, hey, you got to get saved. There's a fire going on in that building. The saying, there's a, there's a fire in a building and 99 people died and you're the only one that got out. You're going to tell everybody you know in a really fast, convincing way. You know, that's like... The way you kind of, as soon as you get born again, you want to tell everybody. And you're like, hey, you got to believe in Jesus. you got to believe in Jesus, right? You just won this big sports game. You're pretty into it. But I, I think there's, like God's in the long game as a gentleman. Um, and then my, my last verse, this is the verse I really want to focus on. Think about gentleness. And it's very unique in the end times. And it's Philippians 4, 5. 
And it doesn't use the word gentle, but actually in the Greek it means gentle. And, and this verse says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. In the Greek, the, word, the words there for being known can be used like how a woman knows a man. A man knows a woman. So it's a very intimate note. No. Let everyone know this characteristic about yourself. And the word moderation there is translated three times in the New Testament for gentle. It's not like, you know, whatever, moderation, like, like, you know, the way that King James translates that. But really it's, I think it's interesting to think what draws a, a person to a person in the church? Is it the, is it the, it's really, it's, it's like your charity, it's your kindness, it's your goodness, but it's also your gentleness. So I think that for myself, and I, and I say that, like I'm preaching to myself tonight. Um, there's a great verse in Proverbs that talks about, you know, if you can take a city, you know, you know, great. But a man that can control his spirit is better than that person that can take a spirit, a city. So there's something about that gentleness in the, in the gospel that is a very unique characteristic. So I just want to say tonight before Pastor, uh, Pastor uh, Dennis, sorry about that, brother. Pastor Dennis comes on. My intro is that, and he's going to talk about some good things, I'm sure, but think about that characteristic. And if we don't have it, guys especially, that's okay. Um, Pastor Dennis has it. He's definitely a more general, I think, more general than I am. But I think as a Christian and as a lady, and really you want to be a, I mean, isn't that what a lot of women aspire to is being a lady? Like, I want my daughter to be a lady. You know, wife, you know, my wife, she's a lady, you know. I mean, that's a great difference maybe between a woman that's kind of rough around the edges and kind of out there and outland is always bombastic it's not really gentleness that's not it's not a gentle lady i hate to say this but earl gray tea there's lady earl there's girl gray tea and there's lady earl gray tea you know it's like kind of funny but i always thought like oh that's weird why is it lady but anyway okay there's a characteristic there that we want people to have and i think it comes from god and so with that i just think about those verses and uh, that's that. Let me pray. So, Lord, help us, actually, God. Help me. Help every guy here, every, every gal, every child. Be gentle. Because your spirit, God, is not one to fight extensively, God, but really to love and speak to our hearts gently, to say, come here. I love you. Let us come in reason. Believe in me. Receive me. Trust me. I am your God. I am your Father. And it's that still small voice that we worship in, that we hear, that we listen to daily, that keeps us in this wild world of anger and frustration. But your gentle spirit, your gentleness has made me great. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I was trying to think of something funny to say. I'm here laughing at myself, but I don't have anything to say. <laughs> Let's walk Frank. What's that? Let's walk Frank. Yeah, hey, let's uh, take five minutes, okay? Hey, uh, I mean, there is a lot of... Uh, 
you know, activity going on, right? I mean, talking to you, Adam, a little bit what's going on. You know, Captain Ron, good to see you. Heard you had a little victory today, right? Yeah, yeah that's good. I was talking to... What's that? Mark 11, verse 24. If I believe, I will receive. Yeah, amen. Talking with Grace, a little bit going on in life. You know, um, I mean, I could tell you stories about things that are going on. Uh, there's a lot going on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what can we say about it, right? <laughs> life is life, and things that we don't want to happen, happen. So we look to God, and uh, we look at Him, and we ask God why, and He doesn't answer us. What do we do with that, you know? I don't, I don't know. I mean, we could talk about it, but that's not the idea. So, actually, the reason why I say that, why don't we uh, get together and just pray for a few minutes, Okay. Uh, get into like groups of two or three and maybe leave your chair if that's okay and go somewhere else and and just uh, pray for five or ten minutes okay let's do five minutes and grace is out back there so somebody should go back there with grace you can come in grace Thank you. 
So, Heavenly Father, we just um, pray for all these prayers that we have and the unspoken ones in our hearts, the questions that we have. Um, we ask that you will answer them and that you will be a part of that. We pray that you will continue to be with us tonight as we uh, study your word. Lord, we pray that you'll speak to us through the Bible. We just love you, Lord. And praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as Adam was talking, you know, I was thinking about, you know, as a person being gentle. Yeah, you know, some people have that personality, right? Like, you know, when you're saying men don't have that personality, well, some people have that personality. They're just very gentle people. You know, growing up, I don't know what kind of personality I had. <laughs> I mean, I'm from Maine, and I was homeschooled, so I was probably a little quirky. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because the nature of God can be worked in us, right? That's part of our philosophy. Uh, not that we change the outside and that produces a change on the inside, but God comes into our life and begins to produce something from the outside in. No, the inside out. Right? Not the outside in. Uh, because we can dress up the outside and we can dress up the flesh, but it's still the flesh. So we look to God to change the inside and then the outside will change. Uh, we had a, uh, a brother in China. He had a really big problem with, it, with his attitude and anger. And uh, he got saved and it changed. You know, so instead of yelling at me five times a week, he started yelling at me only twice a week. Right? 60% better. All right? That's almost passing. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I saw him, you know, spaz out maybe twice in the eight years I was there. Uh, but he was changed. It wasn't what he did every week. He changed. That's because of God. Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm chapter 18. This is a really interesting verse. And I was just early this morning. How many of you guys get up early? Yeah. What time do you guys get up? 6.30. 6.30? What time do you guys get up? 6. 6? Yeah. Let's have a competition. Yeah. Let's bash them some, some uh, sticks against their head. <laughs> 4.30. All right. Do I hear? Do I hear four fifteen? Going once, going twice. <laughs> yeah, we we get up early, right? And um, sometimes we prepare mentally for our day. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we open the Bible. Sometimes we don't. Um, but uh, listen to this verse. I was reading this this morning, and God just really—I mean, it was good having the phone away from. It was from five to six thirty. Just open Bible in my notebook and just thinking what God would have us to share. So Psalm 18, starting in verse 31. For who is God except the Lord? That's a good question that we have to ask in our life because uh, today there can be there can be many different gods, right? Uh, and, and it can be a lowercase g, and we ask the question, who in my life is God except for the Lord? 
Very simple thought, but we could ask that question, and we can ask it often. Okay. And who is a rock except God? Now listen to the, the, how he builds here. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Now stop right there. I mean, this is a very amazing verse because here is King David, and he is talking about how God has been working in his life and delivering him from Saul, who is pursuing him, very simply because Saul is jealous of David's authority that he has with God, with the people, and in his own government, you know, in Saul's own governments. Very interesting. Because Saul is the king, yet he finds himself with no authority with God. Actually, after several mistakes, right, the kingdom is taken away from him. Still saved, but kingdom is taken away. So, you know, he has no authority in his governments. He has no authority with people, and he has no authority with God. So here comes this young man who has been anointed. We talked about this earlier in, in 1 Samuel uh, 16. He is anointed king, and he has all these things that Saul no longer has. So Saul pursues David, and he wants to kill David. He wants to kill David. <laughs> David is the one who is winning these battles for Saul. David is the one who is helping him run the governments. Saul is king, yet the king is insecure in his walk with God. He is insecure as king, and he's insecure with the relationships that he has. So he decides instead of dealing with his insecurity that he is going to kill David, thinking that's going to make the issue better. So this is what he is pursuing. And then David, as he is running from Saul, because Saul, David is different, right? He doesn't, he's not going to kill Saul. He actually says that Saul is God's anointed, even though the kingdom has been taken away, even though Saul has sinned, he still says, Saul has been anointed king over Israel, and I cannot touch God's anointed. Remember when, when Saul goes into the cave and he cuts a little bit of his cloak off, and his heart is grieved, okay? I mean, this is, like, this is what's happening in David and Saul's life, and then he writes these verses here in Psalm 18. And what do we read? We read that David is a man who has been strengthened and has the ability to fight. <laughs> he has the ability. It says here that God, his arms are being strengthened by God. It says here that his way, like the decisions and the direction that he goes is perfect. That his feet are swift, like a boxer. He is able to run and be put into different places. He has a strategy. He's been taught to war. He has great abilities with a bow and arrow, and he has a shield. Everything that he is talking about here reflects to uh, David's own ability to fight. 
Now think about the problems that you know, we talked about before service or maybe the ones that are in your own hearts. Think about the problems that you have in your life and what keeps you up at night is you are trying to think about how can I war these problems? And Psalm 18 says that David has the ability to war. So that means in my Christian life, I am sometimes consumed with these thoughts about how can I war these problems and defeat them? How can I be you know, taught to war? How do I have great bow abilities? How can I have a shield? How can I have strength? How can my, my, my choices be perfect? How can I defeat this? This is a big part of my life. And we see that David is successful. You know, I think a lot of our Christian life is consumed with trying to solve problems that really we weren't designed to solve. You know, Ron, I mean, the problem that Ron had, could Ron solve that problem? No, he couldn't. He couldn't. Could he be wise? Could God strengthen him? Could God be a shield? Could God teach him and give him swift feet? Yes. But in reality, he has zero ability to defeat, to war against his issues. I mean, grace, the things you have no control. Adam, no control. You know? I mean, whatever else is going on. Calvin, no control. David, no control. Bobby, no control. There are so many things that we find ourselves that we are out of control, yet we strive so hard. I mean, I, I'm not like, you know, there's a balance here, right? If you need food, you know, you can work a little bit and get some money and buy food. You know, there is a balance there. There are some things that I can do to solve my problems. Yeah, I mean, God teaches us that kind of stuff. But verse 35 is so interesting because in all these verses and verses above and verses under, it talks about David's ability through God. But then all of a sudden it says, your gentleness makes me great. Your gentleness makes me great. You know, all this stuff is happening in David's life and he is a skilled warrior. He knows how to fight. He knows how to lead men into battle and to defeat. He knows these things. It is something that is in him, whether it's from God or maybe it's in his natural ability or his personality, but he does have these abilities. And he is excelling in his abilities, yet when he goes and he goes to battle, he understands that it's something completely different. It's not his ability to war, but it is the gentleness of God that makes him great. You know, one scholar says it this way, it is ultimate cause of divine gentleness to which he must trace back his greatness, not his divine gifts. So here, here look at King David. He has been trained to be a warrior. He has been trained to get alone with God and trust him as a shepherd. He has been trained. He has been anointed three times. He has been in the king's palace. He has defeated the lion. He has defeated the bear. He has defeated Goliath. He has achieved great things. How did he achieve these things? I mean, we could argue this maybe, right? I mean, because if you put me up against the lion... 
it would definitely have to be God. But, you know, David had some skills, right? He had a, you know, a, a, a sling and he practiced. He was a little bit in shape, you know. There's a little bit, there was something there for God to work with. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, and we could say and we could look at something like, hey, God has given David these divine gifts. And David could say it is God's gifts that he has given me and that is why I'm able to accomplish these things. But the scholar is saying that these things that David has accomplished has to be attributed not to his divine gifts, but to the gentleness of God. I mean, this is amazing because in our lives, you, mean you go to a job and you have a job and you are working there and you're getting paid. You are a business professional of some sort. And that is why they pay you because you're good at that. If you weren't good at it, they'd fire you. But they haven't fired you because you're good at what you're doing. Okay? You have some sort of gifts there. And, 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 but it is not my gift set that helps me to excel in the kingdom of God. It's very simply the gentleness of God. Because if you took my gifts away, would I still excel? If the answer, this is interesting... If the answer is yes, then maybe you're not functioning in the will of God, but you're functioning in your own abilities. I mean, honestly, I mean, planting a church here with you guys here in Frederick and seeing what's happening here on Sundays and just what God is doing here and the direction that God is moving us. I mean, this is not what is happening here is not any one person's abilities. It is the gentleness of God. Because what happens with the gentleness of God? Gentleness is an interesting word because it includes this word. I'm just going to read the definition. And this is like, I had a hard time with this because it includes this idea of condescension. Condescension. Meaning like in my life, I am low, Right? Like, stop condescending me. You know, you say to somebody when they're, they're, they're being mean to you and belittling you. But the idea here is that God is gentle, meaning that he is in a high place and he comes down to a lower place to meet you where you are. That's what that word means. It means God comes down. I'll read it here. It is a voluntary descent from rank, dignity, Relinquishing of strict rights, submission to inferior or granting requests or performing acts uh, which strict justice does not require. I mean, I love this. It means is that God is giving up some of his rights as God to meet us where we are to be gentle to us. I mean, if we were to stand today before God and 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 our sins to be, were to be weighed, would we be able to stand before God or not? If God was to come in and say, I want to execute justice, where would we stand on that side of justice? And you look into the New Testament, and you see exactly where the men of righteousness and where they stood with Jesus. And even though that in their life they were seemingly perfect, they were still not in a good place with God. 
Meaning that if God was to come today to execute justice, none of us would be able to stand. The Pharisees, you could say, were good people. They obeyed the law to a T. They were faultless. Yet obviously Jesus is condemning them for some things because there is still something in the depths of their hearts and they are still not able to stand before God. Yet in John chapter 8, here is a woman who is caught in the act of adultery and she is forgiven by God. You know, where is the justice? Here is a woman full of sin. Why isn't God raining down justice? And here are Pharisees that are completely clean you know, seemingly, where is the justice? Is God's justice system, you know, where, where does it stand? Can we trust it? And this is the thing is that if any of us were to stand before God, and this is what is so amazing about David, he is writing this when he is running from Saul, yet years later, he's going to be standing on top of the building looking down at Bathsheba and sleeping with her. And here's David's like, oh, well, I've been anointed, I'm king. So I can say God's justice, you know, God's gentleness is making me great. Yet then all of a sudden down here at the end of my life, oh now look at my sin. I can no longer say that God's gentleness is great because God had to rain down judgment on my life because I am so wicked. But that's not David's claim, is it? David's claim is that his gentleness makes me great. Here's the in interesting thing, and, and, and Adam brought this out. Gentleness forbids pride, and it commands humility. This is talking about God, not about us. Meaning that God, when he is gentle, it, it, because of the word gentleness, it doesn't allow him to come down and say with pride, you know, and, and condemn us. That God himself, when he comes down and he comes down from his rank or he relinquishes some privilege that he has or he forbids justice to be executed, that he comes down and he looks at us and he comes at us and he looks at us not with pride or disdain saying, hey, you, you should know better, but he comes down with humility. That is God's attitude towards me. <laughs> I mean, when I was reading this, I was just thinking, like, God, like, can this really be? Is this true? Is this real? Because you are God. I mean, you could at any moment look at me and see my thoughts and judge me quickly. You could take me out from being the pastor in this church. You could take away my family, my car, because, and it would be justified by God. It would be justified, but because of your gentleness, God, you look down at me and you come with humility. And that's what uh, Philippians chapter 2 says about Jesus. When he came, he came in humility. And when he's on the earth exercising miracles and he's exercising justice and when he becomes angry, he's doing all that without pride and he's doing it in humility because it's an action not of himself, but it's from his father. amazing yeah. 
also this word gentleness in the Hebrew, it has this meaning, uh, um, Luther says, that it means the bending of oneself and not the bending of another. Didn't you just say that verse? Adam, a bruised reed, he will not break. What does that mean? That we are bruised and we could be bent and if we were to bend, we would break. And what profit then if we are broken? And God says, do you know what? I have the strength. I have the authority. I have the ability in myself to take this grievance. I have the ability, the power, and the strength to take this and bend a little bit. Not like he's bending the rules. But you think about, you know, you know when, when you're, I, I don't know. I mean, everything I think goes back to construction work. <laughs> you know, it's like t- today we were lugging trash. You know, we were working in a condo downtown in the harbor. And we can't, we don't have a dumpster, so we have to lug everything up and down the stairs. And we have to walk up and down three flights of stairs with all the trash. You know, and, and my painter was coming up and he had like all his stuff in his arms. And he looks at the stairs. And he says, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, you can't use the elevator. Look how dirty you are, you know? You can't be seen over there. you got to use the stairs. And he looks at me. And you know what? It's like, well, my hands are free. I have the ability. And I, I took, like, some of the cans of paint and helped him walk up the stairs. Because if he had to do it alone, right, it would have been too difficult. But by me taking a couple of the cans, it wasn't hard for me, and it wasn't hard for him. It made it easy. And that is, the, that is the idea behind God bending, that he is able to take a little bit of the grievance. He's able to take a little bit of the burden. Why? So that way we can continue to walk with him. See, if I would have gone up the stairs without any cans of paint, I would have been up the stairs and gone. Painter would have been like half an hour walking up the stairs, Right? And he would have been there by himself. And God is saying, no, I don't want him to be like that. I want him to walk with me. So I, I take that, that grievance. I take that burden. And Jesus says, my burden is easy. My yoke is light, right? Why? Because of who God is. Because of who God is. And it says that we have the ability to come to him because we are overburdened. That is the gentleness of God. Let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 113. We're going to go to a few verses here. And I love this thought. It says, the poor and the contrite ones are God's favorite dwelling place. The poor and the contrite ones are God's favorite dwelling place. Psalm 113, verse 6 says, Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heavens and in the earth? That is speaking of God. That he humbles himself. Not only has he seen the majesty of God's presence, but he has also seen the destruction and the and 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 the devastation of humanity here on earth. But it says that God has humbles, humbles himself. Let's look at Isaiah. 
57, verse 15, says, Thus says the high and lofty one, all right, God, the big man upstairs, right? Some refer to him as the big man upstairs. There he is, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy places with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and receive the heart of the contrite ones. Meaning like here is God and he is up there. He is high. He is holy. He inhabits eternity. But where does he desire to dwell? With those that are humble. You know, it's interesting. The Latin word for humble means dirt. (laughs) It means dirt. A lot of people don't like, I, I was studying some, you know, we're talking about it right here, some like pop psychology about, uh, about humility. And it's very interesting what psychologists today say about humility. But I, I just want to bring out a couple of things about humility. One, humility is the willingness to see ourselves truthfully. Humility is the ability to see ourselves, the willingness to see ourselves truthfully. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Beauty. <laughs> Beauty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting question because I wake up some days and I just I look in the mirror and I'm like, dear God. <laughs> Go back to bed, Dennis. <laughs> Get you know, and other times I say, wow, I am a child of God. I mean, because... We have that dichotomy in our lives, don't we? We have the flesh, but we also have a spirit. So if we are functioning in the flesh, when we look in the mirror, what do we say truthfully about ourselves? Well, we say, like, I am sinful. And you know what? That is something that we understand in, in, in a theological context, that man in his nature is, this, is wicked. It is, he is wicked. But on the other side, we look in the mirror and we are able to say, well, I am a child of God. And that is why the Apostle Paul had the ability to say, I am the least of the apostles. Yet I boast in the cross. I mean, here he is. He's saying, you know, I am so small. I am so small. I am the small. Actually, this is interesting. He says, I am the least of the apostles. And later on, he says, the apostles, the, the way they preach and what they have to say, that doesn't add anything to me. I mean, well, wait a minute, there's humility, right? Because he is, you know, thinking about his flesh, and then he's over here, and he's being proud, thinking that his gospel is the best gospel. It's like, no, no. He's humble because he's looking at his own depravity without God. That is humility. That is truthful. And over here, he looks at himself and where he is with God, and he can boast. That is also truthful. And it is our desire, right, that as we draw closer and closer to God, that we are able to experience our position in Christ. Okay? Dr. Stevens has 95 points that happen at the moment we get saved. I think 35 Luther has uh, happens the moment we get saved, and they're unconditional, meaning that there are things that happen to you and you don't have to do them, right? It's not like you go to school and you work real hard and you get a gold sticker. All right, you're, you're the, best, the best student for the month. You're the best employee of the month. You get a bonus. You know, it's not like that. There are certain things that God says this is true about you. And one of those things is that you are a child of God. Not everybody can say that. 
We are, we are, the DNA of Jesus, in one sense, we could say spiritually speaking, is living inside of us. Yeah. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that is truth. And that becomes my experience more and more, not through my emotions. This is interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Not through my emotions, but as I learn the word of God. You know, we don't need an emotional fix when we come and worship. We thank God for Calvin and Brian and Melody and Gary and, you know, blah, blah, blah. All these guys that sing that are awesome. You know, but that is not what defines our spirituality. It is the word of God. And the more I learn the word of God, the more I find who I am inside of Christ and how God thinks. And I'm able to think truthfully. The question is, is am I willing to think that way? Or do I think about what the world says, that homosexuality is okay? You know, do I, do I, think, do I say it's okay because that's what the world says, that's what pop culture is saying, and other, other denominations are saying it's okay. Well, I read my Bible, and what does it say? Well, that's what I believe. Genesis chapter 1 through 11, I believe that's true. Yes, amen. It's not, you know, was it miso-history? Mytho-history. Yeah, it's a new theological term for you, mytho-history. It's actually not theological, it's just bogus. <laughs> Number two about humility is an accurate perception of our place in the world. That's interesting, that as a believer... You know, in the kingdom of God, where is my place? And I have to learn that through humility. When I am humble, I know my place in the kingdom of God. And that, that's amazing. You know, some of us here, we're in the body of Christ, and you're like, you know, we, ha we don't know our place in the kingdom of God. We don't know it yet. That's because we're growing in humility and also maturity in who we are in God. The last definition is an ability to acknowledge our mistakes and our limitations. See, that is why David said the gentleness of God makes me great. Because he understood his limitations. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through, uh, 1 through 4 starts out at a time... That kings went out to war, David was home. Psalm 18, fight, bow, strength, deer's feet, ability to war, shields. It is all about fighting, it's all about war. But here in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David is not fighting because he thinks he is great. I don't have to fight, I'll send my army to go out. I'll send my minions to go out. They will go out and I'm just going to sit here and live in the luxury that I have built. David, you didn't build anything. God gave it to you because he was gentle. And here you are in verses 3 and 4. You are sleeping with Bathsheba. You are committing a sin and you're going to murder her husband. Yet David can still say the gentleness of God makes me great. See, in our life, if we become passive and we begin to sit on our throne and we say, this is the kingdom that I have built. We look at our house, we look at our IRA, we look at our car, and we say, this is what I have achieved. Look at what I have done. What we are actually doing in our life is pride has entered in and we're becoming complacent in our walk with God. And God says, no, 
No, at a time that you were meant to war. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, turn the news on. There's a battle out there. I, mean, I, I, I heard this morning, I forget the school, a Patterson High School. 77% of their graduates have a, a kindergarten reading level. Five of their students can actually read at their own level, at a 12th grade level. Only five out of uh, 663 students. There's a battle out there. And you know what? You know, Scott, I mean, I pray for him. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to get political, but Scott, he, he gets mad at the government for pointing out the statistic and saying that we are being racist. You know, that they are being racist. You know, this isn't about racism. This is that there is a battle out there that there are people in Baltimore City, there are people in Frederick, there are people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, there are people that are living without parents, there are people that are living in sin. And you know what? And we are sitting here and, and God is saying, there is a battle happening and it's not flesh and blood, it is spiritual. Yeah. Yet we can be passive and we can say, well, I'm not going to go to church, I don't need any more of God. You know, I, I'm okay in my little house, and my little throne, and my kingdom, and I'll come, you know, once in a while just to make sure that I'm okay with God. No, no, no. There is a battle that is happening, and if we are complacent, we are going to ask ourselves, where is my place in the kingdom of God? And God is going to say, it is right here next to me, and if you're following me and you're fighting with me, what's going to happen is that my gentleness, I'm going to come down, and there is imperfection in our lives. I'm not saying that like we're going to go out there and change the world. I mean, I'm not like, this isn't like a, a, a message like that. But the idea is that there is a spiritual battle. Satan is real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Satan is attacking and he is destroying the church. He is destroying the family. He is destroying governments. And, and, and it is horrific at what, what is happening out there. And we very simply have to be aware of it. We have to be aware don't be passive about it because what happens is like, like in my life, I begin to walk with God and this is how we fight this battle. I come to church and I sit and, and I sit and I listen, but I don't sit and listen and leave. I begin to become a part of the body of Christ and I begin to call and encourage Pastor Gary like, hey, Pastor Gary, I was thinking of you and I was praying for you today. What is, what is that doing? That's encouraging the body that's beginning to fight that battle. I don't know what's happened in Pastor Gary's life this week. But I begin to come and I encourage him. And that is fighting against what Satan is doing. You know, and, and, and going on outreach on Saturdays and, and on, with the homeless, with, with Gary and with Calvin and Brian and, and the others, David... I mean, there are things that we do, and we, it's not like, here, here I am, I'm Superman, I'm here to save the day. It's very simply that we become like Jesus, and we come alongside, we parakaleo somebody, we come alongside of them. That's, that's a word in the Greek where it means I come alongside, and I, I stoop down, and I meet them where they are and where they're at, and I edify them with the gospel. See, as the gentleness of God makes me great, what does it do in my life? It helps me to have compassion on others. It helps me to have compassion on others. So we just thank you so much.
So Heavenly Father, we just ask that you will be with us. I, I think that was a long message. I almost want to apologize. But Lord, we thank you and we ask that your gentleness in our failure, we ask that you will meet us. Lord, we understand that there's a battle raging out there and you know we're not going to pick up our sword and start fighting the demons and anything like that. But we, we do ask, Lord, that you will help us to walk with you in these days stand up for truth, and begin to have compassion on others. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.